Chapter 29 A short time later, Marvin came home and Shirley squawked at him. Get down in the basement and build a box for the little twerp. Use your one and only skill, if you can call it that. Make one he can't get out of, because if he does... She glared at him, then turned to Bailey. By the way, who won the Irish sweepstakes? Pardon, said Bailey. The guy we're going to see, she snapped. Who gets the treasure? His name's Eric Anthony, said Bailey. Where does he live? He's a student at the university. Early the next morning, she was shuffling about the kitchen, eating a bowl of cereal when she glanced out the window. Marvin had the driver's side door of his white van open. What's he up to, she wondered, always tinkering with that old rattle trap. What was that all about, she asked gruffly as he sidled inside. And what took so long last night making the box? Without a word, he descended the basement stairs and came back up, box in hand, holding it out to her. Just want to do things proper, he said. Soon, nursing the burn on his neck, Bailey found himself in a box not unlike the one he had used for Till. Bailey had learned that Marvin was a retired carpenter. Made of wood, the box had slats along both sides. Examining its interior carefully, Bailey found no means of escape. After transferring him to the box, Shirley secured its door with the padlock from the birdcage. On the way to the car, she carried the box inside her sample case, where it was dark and stuffy for Bailey. Marvin drove the van, Shirley sitting in front, and Philip was in the back seat with the case. Two weeks of captivity had passed for Bailey. It was a sunny, early summer day and warm inside the old vehicle. Following their course on a map, Shirley was nervous and turned her head frequently to keep a watchful eye on the sample case, as well as out the back window and all around the van. Can't be too careful, she muttered. Soon they were nearing the campus of the University of Alaska at Anchorage. Take the box out now, she told Philip. Taking it out, he held it up so Bailey could see where they were going. They drove about the campus briefly until Bailey recognized something. There it is, he said, seeing a modern-looking red-brick building. He lives on the second floor. Shirley gave him a sour look as if not believing a word he said. Marvin pulled into a parking lot opposite the dormitory. Make this short and sweet, Shirley said to Bailey. Philip, put the box in the case and give it to me. They all got out, Shirley carrying the case and crossed the street and entered the building's front door. As it closed, two black sedans pulled up and parked a short distance away, two men in each. Cover the back entrance, said the driver of the first into his mobile phone. The doors of the other car opened, and two men in dark suits got out and made their way around the building. Wait for them to come out. I saw a box, but couldn't identify what we're hunting for. Shirley, Marvin, and Philip climbed the stairway to the second floor. A young woman was walking down the hall. Where's Eric Anthony? asked Shirley. That's his room, said the woman, pointing to a door nearby. Shirley approached it and rapped loudly. No one answered. She knocked again, no answer. She looked at the young woman, remaining in the hall. Is he on vacation? I saw him yesterday, she said, looking curiously at the visitors and the sample case. Turning, she started down the stairway. Shirley tried the knob. The door opened, and she peered inside. No one was there. 
She motioned to Marvin and Philip. They went in, and she closed the door. It was a neatly kept room with a single bed. Placing the case on the desk, she opened it and took out the cage. This is the room, said Bailey in his Irish brogue, hands on the wooden slats. I sense it. Where's the young man? If you insist on seeing him, said Shirley, unhappy with the situation, we'll wait, but not long. I insist, said Bailey. She took out a cigarette and lit up. Bailey was apprehensive about what he would do then, and if he saw Eric. I'm here, he thought. It's my one and only chance. Marvin and Philip sat down on the bed. Shirley paced, smoking cigarettes, muttering, and looking at her watch. The door opened, and in stepped a young man. Who are you? he asked. Are you Eric Anthony? asked Shirley. Yes, he said, closing the door. You can't smoke in here. Noticing the box on his desk and its tiny occupant, he took a closer look. He knew who it was and stared at the others. Who are you? I'm here to speak with you, said Bailey, clutching the bars, then turning to Shirley. Open this thing up so I can talk more easily. Not on your life, she breathed, spewing smoke. He's a leprechaun, said Philip. He has a reward for you. Eric gazed at Bailey. He hadn't changed since being shrunken in this very room. He's hardly a leprechaun, but I know who he is. Who? asked Shirley. He's a fish. Eric stopped, suddenly concerned about how much to reveal to these strangers about Bailey and the existence of Kieran's. A fish, snapped Shirley. Philip giggled. I've had enough of this tomfoolery, she said, moving to the desk and picking up the box. It's going nowhere fast. He's no leprechaun. We're out of here. I must talk with him, shouted Bailey. Box in hand, Shirley opened the door and stomped out, Bailey fiercely protesting. Philip and Marvin followed, Philip carrying an empty sample case, Eric watching them disappear down the stairway. Bursting through the building's front door, Shirley stalked across the street to the van, the others trailing. The two men in the sedan nearest the building were immediately alert. That didn't take long, said the driver into his phone. They're back outside. The woman's got a box. Back to your car. Putting the box on the front seat, Shirley covered it with her map, then sat down beside it, the others climbing in. Marvin started the van and pulled slowly out of the parking lot, the first sedan following while two men ran for the second. Marvin glanced at his gas gauge. Almost out of gas. This old buggy isn't too economical. Have to stop. He glanced into the rearview mirror. Like I thought, we're being followed. Don't look now, but a couple of cars have been trailing us. I saw them before we got to the dorm. Her head whirled around. What? Where? She craned her neck. The black one? He pulled into a gasoline station three blocks away, the two cars stopping on the street. They're still there, he said. She gazed at the cars. Moving quickly, he slid the box from under the map and pulled an identical one from under his seat. In it, an old softball to give extra mass. He placed the new box under the map and Bailey under his seat. Well, she said, they're certainly interested in us and our prize. That should help. Financially, she turned to Philip. Give me the sample case. I'm going to the powder room and taking him with me. 
Reaching under the map, she shoved the box into the case and closed it. Case in hand, she opened her door, strode to the small building, and went inside. Pulling the box from under his seat, Marvin held it briefly so that Philip could see the tiny human inside. Then the old man produced a small key. A light shone in the boy's eyes. Smiling, he nodded. With the box under his jacket, Marvin opened the door and stepped out, then headed for the corner of the building and disappeared around it. Bailey was bewildered. Suddenly, his box was open and the old man's face was in front of him. Get going, little man, said Marvin, winking. You've got business to attend to. He placed the box gently on the ground. Scrambling out, Bailey sprinted for the nearest cover, hiding behind a small tree. He peered out and saw the old man drop the box into a trash barrel and start toward the van. When Shirley returned, Marvin was filling the vehicle with gas. Hurry up, she said nervously. Should have been done by now. Replacing the nozzle in the pump, he paid by credit card and got back into the van. Mission accomplished, he said, starting the engine. With the two cars following, Shirley held the sample case on her lap all the way home. It was a tense ride for her, Marvin finally pulling into their driveway and turning off the engine. The cars stopped on the street. She jumped out and headed for the house with the case, Marvin and Philip trailing. Inside, she pulled every curtain and shade in the house, then put the case on the kitchen table and opened it. Alaska's not a crowded state, and this was not a dense neighborhood. But her shrieks of agony could be heard many houses away. Bursting through the front door, she hurried to the van and began searching it high and low. Marvin and Philip came out to watch. Four men in dark suits and ties got out of their cars. One coming halfway up the yard, gazing at Shirley, who was ranting and raving and tearing the van apart. Scratching his head, he looked at Marvin. Go home to your wives and children, said the old man. Show's over. Get over here and help, she yelled at him. Yes, dear. He winked at Philip and ambled toward the van.